Good afternoon, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. We welcome all those who are visiting with us this afternoon. Just to repeat some of the announcements from this morning, there will be a consistory meeting tomorrow evening beginning at 7.30. The consistory announces that Jordan Vorhorst and Monica Schroeder have indicated their desire to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin his holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Friday, December 5th at 4 o'clock in the Cultus Lake Memorial Church. Our song of approach this afternoon is Psalm 43, 1, 2, and 3. Brothers and sisters, please rise. Now listen to the call to worship. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Congregation, where does our help come from? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. 
grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. Amen. Let us now sing in response to the greeting of the Lord from Psalm 42, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Brothers and sisters, the Lord our God, he is my God and Savior. Let us now profess our faith in him, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us do that together with the Church of all times and all places with the Apostles' Creed. We do it this afternoon by singing hymn one.
Brothers and sisters, let us pray the prayer which Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We will now open the word of God and read from it Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is the scripture reading as well as the text for this afternoon. In Psalm 42, there we read the word of God. For the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Let us now also sing from Psalm 42, the stanzas 4 and 5.
brothers and sisters, let us sing after the preaching of God's word in response to God's word from this same Psalm 42, the stanzas 6 and 7. Beloved brothers and sisters, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you enjoy going to church? When you get up on Sunday mornings, do you say then, yes, it's Sunday today and we go to church? Or when you're traveling and you cannot go to church in your own congregation, do you really miss that? Often we are so blessed with our Sunday worship services every Sunday again. We live in freedom. We have the means to come together in freedom. We don't have to fear. We don't have to hide as Christians. And often we get so used to going to church that we don't really enjoy it anymore. We go out of custom. However, when you get in a situation that you have to miss it, Either you are being persecuted and you cannot go to church or you are in exile like the author of Psalm 42 and you are away from your congregation, your, your, your home congregation, you are away from the church, then you will miss it. The author says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O my God. And his strongest desire is to go to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem and join the people of God in worshiping God. It is remarkable. He speaks about thirsting for water. This morning we heard about rivers of living water, which Christ tells us to drink. People of Israel in the desert thirsted for water. So we also should thirst for the rivers of living water. On the other hand, the psalm also speaks about water as a sign of God's wrath. All God's waves, all God's breakers have swept over me, he says. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. So the waters of God can be a curse, can be a punishment. On the other hand, there is also, there should be, among believers, a strong desire for the blessing of the living water, the rivers of living water. And the river which flows from the throne of God, as we heard this morning, with trees of life at both sides of the river, for healing of the people. And that is what this psalm speaks about. His desire to be with God. He will praise God every time when his soul is downcast in him. He says to himself, hope in God. And he praises God. And that is the gospel that comes to us this afternoon in Psalm 42, in which I proclaim to you, summarized under this theme, Even in my deepest anguish, I will praise the God of my salvation. Because in the first place, I know my misery. Second, I know my Savior. And third, I show my thankfulness. Even in my deepest anguish, I will praise the God of my salvation. First, because I know my misery. Psalm 42 is a psalm which describes the human struggle of the author. We see it going back and forth, moments of despair, and then coming back to the refrain in which the author tells his soul to hope in God and to be certain that God is there and that he will redeem him so that he can go up and praise God. And also Psalm 43 can be seen as part of the entire psalm especially because Psalm 43 has no separate introduction, like most of the psalms. They start with an introduction, like in Psalm 42 for the director of music. Psalm 43 does not have that. And the refrain which we see in Psalm 42, we see it again at the end of Psalm 43, and therefore often Psalm 42 and 43 
are being seen as belonging to each other as one. It is not certain when exactly this Psalm 42 was written. It is clear that it was in a situation in which the author was in exile, away from the house of God. It could have been during the Babylonian exile. It is also possible that this psalm was written by or in a time of David when David had to flee from Absalom. And there are other possibilities. It would be nice for us to know when this psalm was written because then we could imagine in what kind of situation the author was. But the Bible doesn't tell us and the Holy Spirit did not consider this to be important for us. The reason why this psalm is part of the Bible is because God uses it to teach us. It speaks about God's people. It speaks about Christ, our Savior. As all the psalms, we must read also this psalm as a prophecy of Christ. When it speaks about salvation, then we know that God's people, whether it was in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, they can only be saved by Christ. The author describes his misery in verse 1. He says that he pants for God. He is seeking God but cannot go to God. In the Old Testament, the people came to the temple to come before God. Or if this was in the time of David, it was still a tabernacle. It was together with the entire people that the author usually went up to God's dwelling place. But now he is away from God and from God's people and away from the house of God. In verse 6 he speaks about the land of the Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Miser. And this is the area east of the Jordan, probably northeast. And this indicates that it is impossible for him to go to God's house. It is too far away. But not only because it is too far away, but probably also because his enemies prevent him from traveling there. And he misses it. So much that he is miserable because of it. Especially in a situation that his enemies are making life hard on him. He desires to come before God. But now being away from God makes him deeply miserable. So much as if he is languishing and dying of thirst. His soul thirsts for God. And this reminds us of what we heard this morning in, in John 7, where the Lord Jesus Christ tells all those who thirst to come to him and drink. And at many more places in the Bible, God speaks about coming to God to receive the water of life. As Israel was thirsting in the desert in Exodus 17, and God gave them flowing streams of water. So Christ gives his people living water. It is for God that the author thirsts. It is for God that God's people thirsts. And if God doesn't give water, living water to our souls, then we will die a miserable death away from God, out of God's presence. And the author then also speaks about God's wrath. Verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, or your, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Instead of refreshing, flowing streams of living water, he now has to suffer under the breakers and the waves of God's wrath. It is like dying from thirst during a storm at sea, with water all around you. And what is most terrible for him is not so much what his enemies do to him. He doesn't tell much about his own situation. You don't read about it in his psalm. If this psalm is from David, then he doesn't speak about Absalom or other enemies, and what they did to him. Or if it is during the Babylonian exile, he does not speak about the terrible deeds of the Babylonians. 
No, it is all about the terrible thing of being away from God. And in that we see the prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was for him the deepest suffering and anguish of hell. Not when the people mocked him or crucified him, but when he was forsaken by God. In verse 3, the author recalls the words of his enemies. Where is your God? And that question haunts him. Where is God? And we see that when our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified in Matthew 27, verse 43, there we read that the people mock him. He trusts in God. Well, let God deliver him now. Let God come and deliver him now if he desires him. For he had said, I am the Son of God. And later on, the Lord Jesus himself cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is the real misery about which this psalm speaks. This misery which the author suffers is a foreshadowing of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. It is because the deepest anguish and misery of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he suffered on the cross, that the author can now say in response to his suffering and anguish, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Because Christ continued to love God and continued to call on God, even when he was forsaken by God. Now God's people may know that God will not forsake them and they will stand before God again and praise Him. Because Christ went under in the waters of God's wrath and He died eternal death, we will never be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because, And that is the second place, because I know my Savior. In verse 1, we read about panting for God. There is a strong longing to see the face of God again. And as our Lord Jesus, in his deepest suffering, cried out to God, out of his desire to be with God, his Father again, when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the author here cries out for God. He thirsts for God, the living God. Again, here we see the prophecy of the suffering of Christ. While the author depends on God to give him flowing streams of living water, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be the rock, or he is the rock who gives these rivers of living water through his Spirit. The author wants to appear before God to be able to drink from this rock, Christ. He is thirsty for the living God. And in that, he also responds to the mockery of his enemies. God is the living God. That is what he knows. The gods of his enemies are all dead gods. Statues that cannot speak and cannot hear. And this may be the background of the ridicule of the enemies. They all, they all point at their own gods. They say, well, here are our gods. And then they ask him, where where is your God? Your God, oh, he is far away. How can he help you give up your God and follow our gods? But then he responds to that by speaking about the living God. Those other gods, their statues, they may be visible and, and they may be close at hand, but they cannot even hear and speak. He thirsts for the living God. He knows that God lives and God will hear him. No, it is not that he doubts that. It is not that he has problems with his faith, that he does not know anymore if God exists. But he misses the communion with God, living with the living God, that is coming before him together with his people, being united with God's people and together with them, being united with Christ. It is important, brothers and sisters, to understand here that there is a strong unity between these two things, coming together with God's people 
and also with God's people coming before God in order to enjoy the joy and blessings of God. So often we are focused on ourselves, on our own sufferings, our own misery. Isn't that what this whole society is teaching us? It's all about ourselves. So often we want others to reach out to us, to come to us. We want the communion of saints to reach out to us and bring us the comfort. But here in this psalm we see the opposite. It is he, the author, who has to go to the communion of God's people because he knows that it is there where God's people comes together. There where he will find salvation. There he will join them and come before God. And there his anguish and pain will be relieved. And there he will receive God's blessings. Yes, brothers and sisters, let us realize we live in a time that, and in a society in which we are very much encouraged to focus on ourselves. To focus on our own sufferings, our own sorrows, our own adversity. To focus on what others do or not do to us what they do wrong to us. We are encouraged to very much focus on our own sickness and and even the details of it, sometimes so much that we publish them on internet, Facebook or blogs or whatever. And we talk about what doctors can do and cannot do for us. The whole environment in which we live is to blame others. Blame others for our misery. Accuse others for what they did wrong to us or for what they could have done but did not do for us. And then complain and and sometimes even sue them for it. That is the world in which we live. But that is not what this psalm teaches us. That is not what Christ teaches us. The Bible directs our attention away from ourselves to Jesus Christ. He is the God of our salvation. In Him we find our joy. And it is important at the same time to see how the Bible teaches us the importance of coming together with God's people. Again, the author's misery was not in the first place that he wasn't sure if God existed. He knew that God exists. And that God is the living God. His misery was foremost that he couldn't come together with God's people to come before God. And this psalm is a prayer to God from his loneliness across the Jordan. And he knows that God hears him. In verse 9, he speaks to God. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And in Psalm 43, it is even clearer that he speaks to God directly. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Now, it is not that he believes that God is not there anymore, that God has forsaken him, no. But his complaint is that he is away from the place where God chose to meet with his people. That was in the Old Testament, the temple or tabernacle. And that is the New Testament, the church. Christ gathers his people, his church. It is in church where his people are gathered together in his name and that he is in our midst. There in church, here is the body of Christ. Here is also the head, Jesus Christ himself. Here it is where God's people enjoy being in the presence of God. And celebrating the communion with Jesus Christ, the head, and with each other as the body of Christ. And it is this understanding, it is this important teaching of the Bible that our ancestors understood rightly when they adopted the Belgic Confession as the confession of the church and they confessed in Article 28 that it is everyone's duty to join the church. Not just to be able to say that you are a member and show a membership card, I belong to this and this church. No, to join the church and unite with it, maintaining the unity of the church 
and there is no salvation outside of it. There is no salvation outside of it. Think about that, brothers and sisters. No salvation outside of the church. Well, the Belgian Confession is there is, is not speaking about the institute, the organization of church, or whatever you want to call it. Church building with a consistency and, and they, the church, that's how we often talk about it, they do this. No. The church is the communion of saints, the assembly of the redeemed. The Belgian Confession says in Article 28, it is the assembly of the redeemed and there is no salvation outside of it. The assembly of the redeemed, those who believe and come together in church. To assemble means to come together. That is where we find our salvation. There where God's people come together Together before the Lord, their rock and their Savior. Going to church, it is not about doing our duty every Sunday, twice a Sunday. And after church, after the worship service, we can go home as soon as possible, have our coffee, have our lunch, come again in the afternoon and, and go home as soon as possible to be on our own, with our own family. No. Going to church is the joy of being together with God's people and being also together to unite in faith and come before God and praise Him. Being together with God's people is just as much part of it as coming before the Lord. Why do we go to church? We go to church to meet the Lord. We also go to church to meet God's people. If that were not important... God could have told us to go into our inner room, to have a kind of sanctuary in our houses and and worship God there. And maybe to have the minister come there to administer for us the grace of God in the sacraments there at home. That's a Roman Catholic. You can go to the minister or ask the minister to come to you to receive the sacraments. But that is not what God tells us to do. It is God's desire that His people come together and in fellowship with each other, they enjoy the fellowship with Christ. There is it where God comforts His people. There is it where we should seek and find our comfort. And then if we do so, then in third place, we see that we will show our thankfulness. It is remarkable when we read the New Testament that when it speaks about showing our thankfulness that often the congregation of Christ takes an important place in that. In our showing our thankfulness. In the Old Testament, the people showed their thankfulness by bringing the tithe to the temple to Jerusalem. And once in three years also bringing the tithe to the gate of their own towns, so that others, the poor in their town, could share in their blessings. And then their sacrifices of thankfulness, or two years in a row, in three years, their, their tithes, they were brought to the temple, and then their sacrifices of thankfulness, they were brought to the place where God chose to meet his people in the temple before the priest. And showing thankfulness was something that also had an important element of communion in it. If you look at, for instance, Romans 12. In Romans 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 1, I, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Well, and then in the next verses, he speaks about the communion of saints, right away after that. 
A communion of saints in which everyone uses his talents and gifts as part of the body. Verse 3 starts with the word for. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. The word for means that there is a connection. What follows that flows from the first two verses. So when Paul speaks about bringing your sacrifices in a way that pleases God, then he had in mind the communion of the body of Christ, about which he writes in verse 3 and following. And that is the word of God that comes to us also this afternoon in Psalm 42. If you look with me in your Bible in Psalm 42, Psalm 42 verse 2, Second part of verse 2, when can I go and meet with God? And then verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God. And then again in Psalm 43, verse 3, send forth your light and your truth, let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then, verse 4, then will I go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a harp, O God, my God. So it, it is this praising God in his dwelling place to which the author refers when he speaks about in verse 5, for I will yet praise him. And again in verse 11, for I will yet praise him. It is here not about his daily life with God. About his daily life with God, the author speaks in verse 8, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Every day he meditates on God's love. And every night he sings to God and prays. Just like we have to do that every day. And that is important. Not only on Sundays, but every day, by day and by night. Also now in his misery, he knows that God is there and that God shows his love. But it is his highest desire to come together with God's people to praise God who is his salvation and his God. He knows that he has salvation because he belongs to God's people. Because he belongs to God's people, it is his desire to be with God's people and praise God. And there in the midst of God's people, there is where salvation is to be found. There is where God meets with his people. There is where Christ is proclaimed, our rock and our salvation. There it is where we drink from the spiritual rock which is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10. It is through Christ that we pass through the waters of God's wrath. As the people of Israel went through the Red Sea on dry ground. While Pharaoh and all his host drowned in the Red Sea. By which baptism was signified. We can, learn, we can read in a form for baptism. It is here in the assembly of God's people, that the sign and seal of death, which is holy baptism, is administered to the strengthening of our faith. It is here in the assembly of God's people where we, ate, where we eat the spiritual food and drink the spiritual drink, which is Jesus Christ, which is his blood, and the sacrament of the Lord's holy supper. And that in faith we receive salvation. It is here where we seek comfort and where we are strengthened in our faith every time again. It is also here where we with God's people will praise God and bring our sacrifices of thankfulness in our offerings, in our songs of praise, in our prayers, and in our profession of faith. Because here it is where God lifts us up out of the everyday misery and hopelessness in which this world lives. And he puts us on a rock, on the rock Jesus Christ. My rock and my fortress are mighty fortress. 
It is here where God turns our mourning into dancing, where God will lose our sackcloth and clothe, clothe us with gladness. O oh, my soul, why are you grieving? Why disquieted me? Put your hope in God, believing. He will still your refuge be. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you now receive the opportunity to give your sacrifices of thankfulness to the Lord. Now, if your offerings have been taken, let us then sing together from Psalm 43, the stanzas 4 and 5.
before your holy throne. We praise your holy name. We thank you that we could come together here as your people, that we receive this tremendous blessing, that we can be part of your people, a communion of saints, and that as people, as your people together, we can come together here and worship you and that we may listen to the preaching of your word. We are so richly blessed with that, that often we don't even realize how rich we are. Father, may you forgive us those sins. May you forgive us when we don't praise your holy name enough, and so often we fall short in it. May you fill us more and more with your Holy Spirit, that we may live our lives as a living sacrifice of thankfulness before you. Build us then up as your congregation, that we all may stand firm in faith and go in your ways. Be with those whom you call to be leaders in your church, the office bearers. Give the deacons all that they need to encourage the communion of saints to take good care of each other and to provide those who are in need with all that they need. Be with the elders, give them what they stand in need of to lead your congregation, to lead your flock to the green pastures of your word, the gospel of salvation. And be with the minister, Reverend Lola, give him what he needs to faithfully proclaim your word and to teach your word to the flock. Give them all together that they may fulfill their offices in faithfulness to your word and in good harmony with each other and with the whole congregation. May them bless us as your congregation that we may stand as a light in the darkness of this world. That we may show that there is a better life than this world lives. This world lives in darkness. They don't have knowledge. But we know through the grace of you and through your Holy Spirit. We know what life is. We know how life is good. Whether it is renewed by your Holy Spirit. And we live it in accordance with your Holy Word. Then there will be love. True love for each other. True love above all for you. Father, guide us then through your Word and Spirit all the days of our lives. And give us your blessing in all that we do. And make us a blessing for so many around us. We give thanks for the blessing which we could receive in this day of rest. Give us that we may continue to enjoy the rest of this day. Enjoy the fellowship with our brothers and sisters here in church and also in our families. And receive our thanks. And hear our prayer in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing hymn 15, all three stanzas.
Sisters, lift up your hearts to the Lord, receive his blessing and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.